Hey, what is up everyone? Welcome back to Life on the Wrist. Hope you all are doing well. Auction season in New York is about to kick off. It's pretty exciting when you could see what the big auction houses have curated. It's been really fun. I, I actually had a chance to check out the previews um, at the auction houses this past weekend. Um, and there's some really cool pieces that have, that have come up. Some significant pieces in, in each of the auctions. So I'll go over Phillips, Sotheby's, and Christie's. Um, there are some other, I think some other auctions that are going on. I want to say Antiquorum has one in Hong Kong actually coming up. Um, so, um, some, some pretty cool pieces that I'll, that I'll talk through. Just off the back of Hong Kong, I think, um, I think a lot of people are sort of saying that, uh, we kind of saw some normalization of the prices of watches, um, at, at auction in Hong Kong. Um, Coming off of Geneva, I think uh, Geneva, we saw some pretty pretty good results for, for some of the pieces that were selling um, uh, that that were you know uh, up in the up in the records for, for some of the watches. Um, but I think Hong Kong was a sort of a normalization, or it showed some some fairly normal prices. Um, that could be because I think Hong Kong had a, a higher quantity of watches that were uh, modern and not vintage so you know modern prices I think have sort of sort of come down from the highs that they were seeing previously so uh, I'll dive right in I think I'll start with uh, Phillips um, one of the most um, I'd say probably one of the most important watches that are that are um, one of the most important watches that's being sold uh, this this season in New York is uh, lot 12 um, it's, not, it's not a watch, it's a pocket watch. It's a Roger Smith, which is it's his number two pocket watch that was manufactured in 1998. So I think everyone knows the story of Roger Smith, but I'll briefly um, kind of talk about it. He, um, he worked closely with um, George Daniels, and um, before Roger Smith ever made a watch, he, he, you know, George Daniels told him, you know, go ahead and try and make a pocket watch. And he came, and I think he spent something like 18 months or something like that uh, making the, the, the first pocket watch. And he brought it to George Daniels, presented it to him, and there was a lot wrong with it. And I think George Daniels um, wasn't very impressed. So Roger Smith went back to the drawing board and, and started working on his second pocket watch. And I think he spent something like six years um, producing this watch, really focusing on the finer details of, of what needs to be done to make a, an exceptional piece. And um, that pocket watch he then presented to George Daniels after the, the years that he spent um, making it. And um, George Daniels sort of examined it and then said, congrats, you're now a watchmaker. And that specific watch is being sold at Philips. So it's a yellow gold perpetual calendar tourbillon pocket watch with moon phase, leap year indicator, and spring teton escapement. Um, handmade, everything made by Roger Smith. This watch really is... Um, it has a presence. Uh, I know that sounds really strange to speak about a watch that way, but um, when I saw it in person, it really um, it speaks to the importance of George Daniels, the importance of Roger Smith, but also the importance of all the things that watchmakers really desire to to accomplish when they make a piece. Um, and Roger Smith, I think, is easily one of the most um, influential. Uh, watchmakers of of our time um i you know george daniels also and i think that <laughs> this watch really is a testament to to them so 
Lot 12, if you're interested, it's it's going to be interesting to see what it goes for. I, I really do think it's going to go for some, some really good prices. Lot 57 at Phillips is a <clears throat> fresh to the market, 34.48 in yellow gold with a perpetual calendar moon phase. This watch, the reason why I love it so much is um, the yellow gold has oxidized. And if you know, I, I absolutely love oxidation on, on watches. So this Patalone is... Um, in in pretty good nick um i don't i can't really tell if it's been polished or not um on the front of it it, it looks it looks decent but um and if you kind of flip it over i think the lugs are super super sharp and i think the oxidation it, as well as uh, i think the lugs on the back really show that this might not have been polished but the oxidation makes it look incredible and um yeah, one of one of probably one of my favorite lots this this season is is this, but just because of the hue of the the uh, yellow gold that's uh, been nicely oxidized. One of the other things that I that I really loved was a um, uh, a watch uh, lot eighty seven. It's a pink gold minute repeater perpetual calendar pocket watch with moon phase, um, and. Um, this watch I, I saw in person, and um, the reason why I thought it was so interesting was um, it's from 1895, and it was um, pr uh, produced in 1895, sold in 1899, comes with a 14 karat gold pocket knife that's engraved Alfred G. Stein, um, and has a, a the, the watch um, comes with this commemorative me medal. Um, the reason why I really love this is um, the, the provenance. Um, Alfred G. Stein was an early partner of Patek Philippe. Um, and uh, he worked, um, he, he, he trained as a watchmaker and then he worked for Tiffany & Co. before joining Patek Philippe in 1896. Um, and I think this watch is... Um, yeah, I, I, there's 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 so much um, it's a passion and history for the brand that that comes uh, in this watch. Um, what's really cool is when you open up the case back, you see the finishing on this watch with um, just perfect, perfectly manufactured, perfect um, condition. It looks like it's it looks really really great. Um, he he actually. Um, uh, Stein actually became the head of a newly formed company in New, in New York and was in charge of Patek Philippe's um, distribution in America. Uh, and he held that for three decades through Patek Philippe's acquisition um, by the Stern family and then passed away in 1934. But, um, I mean, you know, <laughs> uh, talk about a person of historical significance for the brand and an incredibly fine watch. Lot 89 is a really nice 2481 from Patek Philippe. It has this really beautiful cloisonné enamel pristine forest dial. I think cloisonné enamel dials are um, getting a lot of uh, maybe more coverage. I think they're, they've always been um, fairly desired by collectors. Um, and... Uh, and... Um, you know, people have always sort of chased them. Um, 
but uh, I think there's a little bit more coverage of them on social medias or on um, you know YouTube or whatever, um, which is exciting because I think it's an interesting angle to to collect. Um, the watch is preserved in really great condition. Um, doesn't look like there's been any restoration to the dial. Um, it's believed through research that um, this is one of ten examples that that have this dial type, which is <laughs> shows rarity um, for sure. I think handling this in person really gives you the significance of this, um, of of how difficult it is to to make something so beautiful in um, enamel. Um, so. There's a there's a 3800 which is lot 111 uh, in stainless steel. It's a mid-size so 37 and a half millimeters from 1987. Um, I thought I'd just call this out because I do think that this will probably get some some nice attention. Phillips also has um, another watch that I fell in love with at the at the exhibit which was lot 124 which is a reference for uh, 1436. Um, first time on the market, split second chronograph. Um, this watch uh, was from 1950, and the 1436 was made in fairly low quantities. Um, it's believed that about 140 examples were produced in the 33 years that it was on the market. Um, it's believed that this is one of only 10 examples, um, with ha which has a coaxial pusher and indexed, um, index hour markers on the dial in yellow gold. So if you don't know... Um, if you don't know the this um, this reference, the fourteen thirty six had um, a first generation, which was um, the cases were uh, produced by Emile Vichet, um, and the later generations um, were produced by Ponty, Genari, and Sia. Um, the second generations uh, featured a coaxial button within the crown to split and reunite the split second chronograph hands, which makes it technically a little bit more or technically um an interesting an interesting um sort of uh an interesting version or generation of this of this specific piece fresh to market 33 millimeters i mean it fits me just perfectly <laughs> i also got the chance to take a look at lot 129 which is a reference 4072 it's a steel with um gold hour hands and gold um uh crown that's you know obviously certified by the it's um proving that this is how it came with the certificate certificate of authentic certificate of authenticity this is a really cool vacheron, vintage vacheron, um chronograph you don't really see too many of these pop up but i i like that there's one it has a pulsation dial which is also really cool unfortunately there's a little bit of a little bit of um uh of I don't know if it, even know if it's damage or if it's just like coloration near the signature. Um, otherwise, this watch should be um, a, a real winner. Moving on to Sotheby's. Sotheby's has their important watches auction. Um, there's a really beautiful reference 2451 Calatrava from 1955 with Breguet numbers. If you don't know, this watch is a very similar case to the reference 96, but it came with a screw down case back, which made it water resistant, which is pretty cool. Um, it's in really great condition, um, uh, for the, I, I got a chance to actually take a look at this in a loop and, um, things look pretty good. The only thing that looks a little bit different is, um, the 60, uh, if you look at the subseconds, um, there's a little bit of, um, 
I think it might just be the crystal that's sort of uh, got some scratches on it that might make it look a little bit uh, different. There's also a Black Dial reference 2526. Um, first series, Black Dial from 1957. Um, the 2526 is super desirable, um, if you don't know. Uh, it's one of the most appreciated, being that it's really rare. Um, and, uh, and, um, yeah, super, super desirable. I mean, for, for a Calatrava 2526, it's estimated to go for between 1500,000 USD, so I think that's a pretty accurate estimate. There's a really cool Breguet 3135, lot 52, um, that's, I think, shows the skills of Breguet, and honestly, I think has sort of a romantic feel to the things that they produced in the 90s, so 1995, pretty, pretty nice uh, piece there as well. There's a really cool pocket watch, reference um, 3565 6BC, uh, lot 53, which is a white gold and diamond skeletonized open-faced uh, pocket watch. I think the open-faced idea of this watch is really cool, and I think diamonds are sort of becoming somewhat popular um, on, on pieces. Um, talk about craftsmanship, talk about beauty. Um, to make a, such a transparent and thin piece is um, pretty, pretty amazing, um, to, to say the least. There's also a reference 5256BA from Audemars Piguet, which has a yellow golden enamel square uh, shaped uh, watch from 1966. It's got a really cool, um, really cool sort of green enamel around the outside of the case um, that I think is um, fairly interesting. Um, I think the reason why I sort of added this to the list of things that I wanted to talk about was the idea that. Um, uh, I think smaller watches have become kind of popular. You see them in pop culture. You see people wearing these pieces that might be a little bit small on their wrist, but are really, really elegant. Uh, Piaget, you know, think about Piaget with like stone dials and stuff like that. Um, I think this is a really <laughs> great example of it. Um, the uh, the watch actually um, had a uh, comes with um, uh, with a. Uh, service papers um, of it being serviced in uh, 2019, which is kind of interesting. Um, so, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's a thing that you might not see every every day. I think one of the most ex you know significant lots is 104 at Sotheby's, which is an Omega Speedmaster reference 145022-69, which is a yellow gold chronograph that was presented to Apollo 13 Command Module Pilot John Jack uh, Schweiger Jr. He made in um, 1970. Obviously, you, you probably know the relationship of NASA and, and, um, and the Speedmaster. Um, but, uh, you know, this is fairly significant. I don't want to sort of go through too much information, but, um, cause I, I encourage you to take a look at the video that they made specifically for this watch, which really talks about, you know, Apollo 13 and, and the significance of that launch. So check out the, the link in the show notes, but the engraving's great. Um, it also comes with a lot of commemorative pieces or commemorative, you know, sort of memorabilia from, uh, Schweiger 
um, like a mail envelope, patches, coins, matchbox, pin. Um, so uh, this is one of the premium lots, and I'm sure it's going to go for quite a bit. Christie says they're important watches auction. Um, lot one is really great. It's a Hoyer Abercrombie and Fitch uh, reference 2447 Seafair. Um, it's a steel uh, watch with a tide indicator and regatta counter. If you like oceans, um, this is a pretty cool one. I actually think it's a nice way to start the auction with something that's fairly accessible to um, a wide range of collectors and, and to chronograph enthusiasts. There's also a really cool Tudor Reference 79030N Black Bay 58 with a pirate flag. Um, these were made in very limited uh, quantities. This is number 27 of 82. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the Black Bay 58 was launched in 2018 and has really become extremely popular. Um, it's This is the first known example of a pirate edition of the 58. Um, it's a uh, the present lot is it's it's very um, sort of um, it was a um, collection of um, watch collectors who worked at Apple um, and 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 Tudor and they became the um, came up with this timepiece that features in the Apple pirate emoji flag to pay homage to. Uh, pay homage to um, Steve Jobs, who said that it's more fun to be a pirate than to join the Navy. Um, if you look at the uh, case back, you actually see the pirate, and then it's a limited edition, um, being 27 of, 50, uh, 27 of 82. <clears throat> um, there's a really cool reference 5513 with a tropical dial, um, which is lot 14. Which I thought was quite nice. Um, the subs, you know, obviously a, an absolute classic, um, classic piece. Uh, it's a fresh to the market and original owner um, lot, which is really great. It was a gift to the owner from his mother in 1967. Um, and they have the original receipts from B. Harrison Sons Jeweler in New York. Uh, the, the individual ended up entering military training to become a lieutenant in the U.S. Army Sig uh, Signal Corps and um, fought in South Vietnam uh, and wore the peace while he was uh, while he was fighting. This watch is probably as original as you can probably get it. The crystal is uh, somewhat scratched, um, which makes it pretty, pretty darn original. As far as the case goes, um, obviously you're going to have scratches on the piece. I'm not really sure about polishing on the case. I, I what well, didn't I wasn't able to see this in person, but if you want to know about patina on a dial, um, this is uh, one that you have to absolutely check out. Um, all original subs are obviously really popular, and it's going to be interesting to see what this goes for. The last lot I want to talk about is lot uh, sixty six, which is a Patek Philippe reference thirty two fifteen, which is a platinum and diamond set bracelet watch with hinge cover. Um, this is the only known example of this piece. Um, ladies' watches have become pretty popular, I think, this last year. We've seen you know people go to smaller pieces, and um, this is really the most elegant watch you can probably think of. Um, big shout-out to Charlie Dunn and Eric Wind of Wind Vintage, who researched this lot pretty heavily. Um, if you don't listen to the collectability 
uh, not collectability, that's John Ridden. If you don't listen to to their podcast, um, I highly encourage you to check it out because they cover some really great um, things over there. And um, one of the things that I really love about Significant Watch, the Significant Watches podcast, I should just mention that Significant Watches podcast is the is the name of it. But um, one of the things I love about them is it's raw. They have their opinions and, and they, they say it how it is. It's also not like your typical podcast. Um, so definitely check them out. But um, this watch is um, pretty crazy. So it's, uh, you have 80 Marquez cut diamonds, uh, 194 baguette cut diamonds, and 58 brilliant cut diamonds, uh, all in this, in this bracelet watch as this cover. Um, I'll sort of read it. it you know they they it's obviously extraordinarily rare to find this timepiece today. It companies it's accompanied by a Patek Philippe extract from the archives confirming the year's manufacture in nineteen fifty seven. The model was featured on the cover of Louis Cotier's Montre et Bejou nineteen fifty seven catalog, along with a matching jewelry piece from Patek Philippe, as seen in the image uh, attached to this lot. Um, this was uh, locked away in an owner's safe and is really one of the uh, grails this is this is one of one like one of the only ones known um to to come to market so um pretty significant it's estimated to go for 40 to 60 thousand us dollars i really don't think that's that's um that's uh that's accurate <laughs> um we'll see what what happens uh at auction but um you know only known example so never know Anyway, um, I'll leave links in the show notes for you to check out each of these auctions. I encourage you to take a look at these pictures while we sort of talk through them. Let me know what your favorite lot is. Um, I'm excited for this weekend and to see what uh, what the results are going to be like. Um, I'm sure that there's going to be some, maybe some records. Maybe it'll continue the trend of um, Hong Kong. I really, I think because we have more vintage pieces here, I think that might be um, might sway in a different direction. But we'll have to have to take a look. Um, if you are new to the Life and Learners podcast, be sure to subscribe, follow us. Uh, and if you are feeling generous and wouldn't mind leaving a rating, that would really help me out. Make sure to check out lifeandlearners.com and our social media accounts. With this said, guys, thank you so much for this podcast. And until next time.